Hey friends, it's Coach Andrea here. Happy February and welcome to another episode of Blow the Whistle. We made it through that long year of January 2022. It did feel like a long month. And here we are into February, the month that is known for love. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about on the podcast today. I'm kicking us off with the topic love is because as always, I think it's important to define the word that we're talking about. What is love to you? What is it meant to you? Does it mean something different today than what it meant to you when you were younger? I hope that as you listen to this podcast and hear uh, some of the things I'm going to be reading and sharing, that your definition of love will expand, that it will grow, and that it will blossom into something beautiful, wonderful, and life-giving. So without further ado, it's time for another episode of Blow the Whistle. If you did not get a chance to listen to the podcast in January, I want to encourage you to do that. We spent the whole month talking about hope and hope in different situations, especially the last episode that I did with Cindy Watts on hope that endures again and again. This pandemic has taught me so much about holding on to hope. Uh, Just hoping that we're at the end of it. And every time we hope that we're at the end of it, we get another variant, another wave. And we have to renew that hope again and again. And Cindy just gave scriptures. She gave practical ideas um, and and just stories from her own life of, of what she's had to do to hold on to hope again and again. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that. I highly encourage you to do that. And as I said today, we're hopping into talking about love. Now, I know some people have a love-hate relationship with this month. I want to say for me, February has a lot of painful memories and triggers. Um, And for a long time, I just hated this month. I hated when it came. I hated the way I felt. And God has really done so much work in my heart, such that sometimes I don't even remember. I still feel it. My body will tell me I'll be more tired. I'll be experiencing just some sadness and not exactly sure why. And then I'll remember, oh yeah, this month has been pretty traumatic for me. And so I just want to say that to be sensitive to people who have a rough um, relationship with this month of February and what it represents in our world with Valentine's Day and this idea of love. And what I want to do is restore your faith and belief in love as God intended it and what it really means to love and be loved because I think we have distorted this word what it means how it's given how it's received uh, what it means for someone to say I love you we use the word we throw it around we say I love pizza and then we say I love a person and then we say I love God 
And I know that as much of a foodie as I am, when I say I love pizza or I love hamburgers, that that love is not the same love that I feel for God. And God has really worked on my heart of letting go of this fairy tale notion of love, which I think we grow up with and are sold in this world, that love is this um, kind of Santa Claus feeling where we get everything we want. We feel good all the time. Um, it's just this ushy gushy thing that exudes from us. And what God demonstrates for us is that that's really not what love is. So I'm going to be reading some scriptures, some passages from some books that Uh, I've read and like I said, hopefully expanding and challenging and growing your definition of love. The first place I want to start when talking about love is 1 John chapter 4 and I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. Um, You can look in the translation that you enjoy. I just like reading from the Passion Translation. And this In the Passion Translation, starting at verse 7, is titled, God is Love. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. So if we are defining love, we cannot talk about love apart from God. Because it is the very essence and nature of who he is. Just as we can't talk about creation apart from God because he is the creator. We can't talk about love without talking about God. And so this this verse, this passage goes on to say, Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. And I remember maybe 18 years ago, God kind of speaking to this to me at one point in my marriage, that the you cannot expect a greater level of love from someone that exceeds their understanding of God. Let me say that again. You cannot expect a level of love from someone that exceeds their level of understanding of God or knowledge of God. So when you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't know God, they cannot really love you well. They may love you with a human type of love, but the type of love that we learn when we come to know God totally expands and changes our definition of love because of the way that God loves us. So this passage goes on to say in verse nine, the light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so the so that we might live through him. This is love. Now listen to this. This is verse 10. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love 
not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. What this tells us about real love, the pure love that God gives us, is that it is a it is a giving type of love. When we really love someone, that love is not based on their love for us. This says that long before we loved God, he loved us. It was not a conditional love based on on where we were in life because he sent Jesus while we were in our sins. So true love, real love, godly love gives not based on condition, but it gives from a purity of heart and character. And when it gives, it does not give begrudgingly. It does not give um, with the expectation of receiving something in return, but it gives lavishly. God sent his son to be a sacrifice for us. So he sent what was precious and valuable to him so that we could receive from us. And if you continue to read in there, it talks about um, he loved us with such a tremendous love. It was a tremendous love, a generous love, a sacrificial love that he sent Jesus into the world to be a sacrifice for our sins. Then if you flip on over to John 3:16 and 17, which most of us know John 3:16. It says, "For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life." That was something that really struck me as I was preparing for this podcast that real love, pure love changes you, not just for a temporary time, but it changes you eternally. It changes, um, it's an everlasting change, right? It gives you an experience that you never forget. It made me think about that quote, better to have loved and lost than never to have loved it all. Because real love, pure love changes you. It does something to you. If you've ever seen someone when they've been in love, it changes the way they look. It changes how they act. And when it is a pure, true love, that is not just based on feelings, but it's something that's sustaining and life-giving, which is the type of love that God gave us. And then it says, God did not send his son into the world to judge and content, condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. So when we look at God's love in that pure sense of the word love, it's not a judging or condemning type of feeling. And anytime you start to feel that, that is a clue that that is not love. If you feel condemned, you feel judged, um, and I, I gotta, I feel a little pause in my spirit to stop and say I'm not talking about 
um, situations in, in marriages where there's abuse because this type of thing could be manipulated when someone is doing something that is destructive and they get called out on it. They can say, oh, you're judging or condemning me. That means you don't love me. That's not true. Boundaries are very loving. So off my soapbox and back to the regularly scheduled program, I felt like I needed to say that. But the way that God loves us is not judging or condemning. It actually is saving us. It's life giving to us. And I think that when we go through experiences in life and the way people treat us or how our parents treat us, we rather than starting with God's definition of love and what it means to be loved by God, we take the way that people have loved us and try to apply that to God. And that's really backwards because people cannot be the starting point for the definition of anything really because if God is the creator, then we always go to the creator to say, okay, what is it that you meant? And this is really what when we look at Genesis and eating from that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, when we try to define things in our own terms and think that we have more wisdom than what we could get from God, then essentially we're deceived. Um, and and it it's what throws us off course. So if you're listening to this and you're like, God doesn't love me because of this or because of that, and it is related to things that have happened with people, I encourage you to go back and read First um, John chapter four, what I started with. Read John chapter three. And just see what the Bible says about God and his love for us. And you will see that it is very different than what we experience from people. Now, this next passage I'm going to read is one that I had a complicated relationship, kind of distorted my view of what I thought love was. Um, But it wasn't because of an error in the Bible. It was because of my interpretation and just growing up with this fairy tale idea of love that I then took and applied to the scripture. And so if that's you and you're wrestling with this definition of love, because, you know, maybe the scripture has been, um, taught in a way that was misconstrued or maybe you misconstrued it yourself. I want to challenge you to go back, read lots of different translations and ask God to illuminate in your heart where you may have missed it because that's what I had to ask him to do for me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13 starts out talking about how we can do all of these wonderful things. But if we don't have love, then it's basically pointless. And as I said, when I read John 3, 16 and 17, that pure love, when it is added to the equation, changes everything. It changes people, it changes environments, it changes situations. Because love is the force that binds us. 
It is at the heart and very nature of God. And and it's the thing that we can all connect with and know that we need. And so it says, love endures long. This is starting at verse four in the Amplified uh, Translation. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, and does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. And I remember the first time I heard this, um, I was a brand new believer and it was Princess Di's funeral. And I saw this and I thought, wow, that is so beautiful. And I want that red at my wedding, which it it was red at my wedding. Um, but the, the part that I didn't understand, I just kept thinking I shouldn't take account of the evil done to me. And this wasn't just in my marriage. I was kind of applying it to all people um, that I it, it bears up under anything and everything that comes. And that if you love people, you know, basically you, you just kind of take it. <laughs> but I was skipping over that verse six where it says love rejoices when right and truth prevail. And that love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. So when God gave us love, he didn't demand that we love him back. He doesn't try to control us with his love. And healthy love is about freedom. And that was a big part that I missed. Um it's not about control. And I think sometimes we mistake those two when we try to control things or situations or people and we say, oh, it's because I love them. Right. I think as parents, we we are very guilty of this. Uh, but this says that love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It is not self-seeking. And this is where we have to allow God to do work in our hearts because sometimes we think we're loving from a pure place, but when we peel back the layers of the onion, we discover that the love that we're giving is really about us. And this is something that I see um, with a lot of my clients where I have to explain to them that if you really love someone, then you love them, period. You don't let them 
control how you love. So, and I know that's tricky. I'm trying to unpack it here. Um, If I really love someone and I'm giving from a pure heart, then I am not um, feeling rejected because they don't reciprocate that, right? I understand that my love is coming from a place or a pure heart to give and that just like this says, it doesn't insist on its own rights. I don't I I don't get to control how someone loves me. And I don't remember who said this. I think maybe it was Iyanla Van Zant. Could have been Maya Angelo. So please forgive me because I am not trying to claim it as my own, but it was so powerful. And what she said was I don't get to tell you how to love. What I get to do is sit back and watch how you love and decide if that feels good and right for me. And I think so many times when we're in relationship, we want to tell someone how to love. Now, I'm not talking about asking for what you need and considering others again that's what it says here that love is is not rude and doesn't act unbecomingly it doesn't you know it's not selfish right I'm not talking about that but I'm saying that and I was very guilty of this rather than observing and just noticing what I was seeing and saying that doesn't feel right for me I was so much caught up in this fairy tale kind of definition of love that I never stopped to consider me and I feel like this is a pattern that a lot of women fall into we think love means totally ignoring ourselves forgetting what we need abandoning all of what our gut or a Holy Spirit will alert us to and it just means a free-for-all and that's not what love is at all and so as I said in the beginning if you have a complicated relationship with love and especially if you're wrestling with God's love I I just want to admonish you encourage you say to you to ask God to show you the right interpretation, the right understanding. Ask Holy Spirit to illuminate the parts where your heart has been hurt or wounded um, or gotten off track. Because when we understand God's love, it says perfect love casts out fear When we understand the true definition of love, we don't live in like the scarcity mentality or this self-protective mode. You know, we, we can be wise and have boundaries, but it doesn't stop us from loving because what the enemy wants to do is steal your love. When do things start to die? When do things get destroyed? It's when love is absent and hate and bitterness and all these other things are present. And 
that this has been a journey for me and it's a journey for so many people that I talk to because we get in relationships with people and people wound us. And like I said before, we want to take that and apply it to God when really it should be the other way around. We should be looking to God first and then applying what we learn from God to people. I want to read a little bit from C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves. And I know that C.S. Lewis can be a little bit tricky and wordy to read, but hopefully this makes sense. Um, He starts out by saying, God is love, says St. John. Um, When I first tried to write this book, I thought that his maxim would provide me with a very plain high road through the whole subject. I thought I should be able to say that human loves deserve to be called loves at all, just in so far as they resembled that love which is God. The first distinction I made was therefore between what I called gift love and need love. The typical example of gift love would be that love which moves a man to work and plan and save for the future well-being of his family, which he will die without sharing or seeing. Of the second, which is need love, that which sends a lonely or frightened child to its mother's arms. There was no doubt which was more like love himself. Divine love is gift love. The father gives all he is and has to the son. The son himself gives back to the father and gives himself to the world and for the world to the father and thus gives the world in himself back to the father too. And what on the other hand can be anything can be less like anything we believe of God's life than need love. He lacks nothing. But our need love, as Plato saw, is the son of poverty. It is the accurate reflection of consciousness of our actual nature. We are born helpless. As soon as we are fully conscious, we discover loneliness. We need others physically, emotionally, intellectually. We need them if we are to know anything, even ourselves. We do violence to most languages, including our own, if we do not call need love, love. Of course, language is not an infallible guide, but it contains, with all its defects, a good deal of stored insight and experience. If you begin by floating it, it has a way of avenging itself later on. We had better not follow Humpty Dumpty in making words mean whatever we please. Secondly, we must be cautious about calling need love mere selfishness. Mere is always a dangerous word. No doubt need love, like all our impulses, can be selfishly indulged. A a tyrannous and gluttonous demand for affection can be a horrible thing. But in ordinary life, no one calls a child selfish because it turns for comfort to its mother, nor an adult who turns to his fellow for company. Those, whether children or adults, who do so at least are not usually the most selfless. 
Where need love is felt, there may be reasons for denying or totally mortifying it. But not to feel it is in general the mark of a cold egoist. Since we do in reality need one another, it is not good for man to be alone then the failure of this need to appear as need love in consciousness, in other words, the illusory feeling that it is good for us to be alone, is a bad spiritual symptom, just as lack of appetite is a bad medical symptom because men do not, men do really need food. But thirdly, we come to something far more important Every Christian would agree that a man's spiritual health is exactly proportional to his love for God. That was a mouthful. Um, But what stood out to me was his distinction of this give love and need love. God is a giver. He gives love. He doesn't necessarily need love from us because God doesn't lack anything. But God made us for both we give love and we need love we give love to other people and we need to receive that love back and um i can't think of the reference off the top of my head but the scripture where it says that in the last days that the love of many people would grow cold i think we see a lot of that right now that so many people for so many reasons have closed themselves off from love i don't need it i don't want it they have had bad experiences with what was defined as love um and so that they convince themselves that they don't need it and so I loved his illustration here that when God said it wasn't good for us to be alone, he was making it very clear that we do need one another. And if you have shamed yourself or condemned yourself or made yourself to feel weak for needing people or wanting love, I hope that God heals that in you today. I hope that you know that that was something that God placed in you. And I'm so sorry for people who abused that, took advantage of that, couldn't love you like you needed to be loved for whatever reason. But that doesn't mean that love itself is bad. The love that God gives to us is good and it is good for us and when people are healthy and well and can love us well that is good for us too so to say that it is good for us to be alone like he said is a bad spiritual symptom just as lack of appetite is a bad medical symptom because men need food we need love and we need it to survive We need each other. And let me say, I get it. When you've been hurt, when you've been disappointed by love again and again, it's easier to just say, you know what? I'm not going to need it. It's easier to close yourself off to that. Um, But again, that is a self-protective thing. It is not a a life-giving thing. It keeps you in survival mode. And so when people come to me and I can see that they're really struggling, 
I talked to them about how at a time that self-protection was necessary. When you're around people who are not safe, who don't love you well, you do need to protect yourself. This was, again, something that I had to learn. But that self-protection, that armor is not meant to be carried around all the time. And when you have that armor on, not only do you um, keep things out, you keep people out, but you block things from coming in and you don't get to pick and choose what you block. So when God sends people in your life who do love you and want to love you well, you can't receive it because you have closed yourself off to the idea. And this is why it's important to do the work when you have been wounded in relationship to heal so that you don't close yourself off to love. You don't close yourself off to God's love and you don't close yourself off to love from other people. We need love to survive. It is critical to our growth. It is like water to our our souls. Just like a plant will shrivel up and die when it doesn't get water, the same thing happens to our soul when we don't give and receive love. I think if we continue to talk about what love is, I should take a few minutes to explain what love is not in some places where I saw that I really got off course and a lot of my clients tend to get off course. Love is not destructive. Um, as I said before, when people are loved, it's life-giving. You notice a change. They become better. They become more alive. And if you find yourself shriveling, um, feeling dry and brittle and empty, um, that's an indication that somewhere love is absent from your life. Love is not painful in the sense that love does not inflict pain on another. Uh, Jesus went to the cross. He suffered. Was that painful for him? Yes, but he knew that that pain was producing a greater good. Uh, just like you go into labor and you know that the pain you experience in pregnancy and labor is because you're giving birth to something good. And so can there be pain in love? Yes, because you're growing, because you're changing, because you're being challenged. But if the pain is being inflicted on you out of anger, um, out of malice, out of ill intent, that is not love. Love is not selfish. It does not only benefit the one at the sacrifice of the other. Even Jesus's sacrifice was what he went through to become our great high priest. There was a benefit for him in that as well. And when you have one person doing all of the sacrifice and one person doing all of the taking, that is not love. Love does not minimize, minimize, justify, or excuse uh, abuse or poor behavior. It does not say it is okay because I was angry. 
And one of the things that love also does, and this is a huge place where I missed it, love is about truth. And so you can believe the best for someone, but that doesn't mean you ignore the truth of who they show you they are. And so if someone is consistently um, giving in to their anger, if someone is consistently selfish and you only get flashes of them being a good person or a kind person, it's more important to pay attention to the pattern than these little moments of good. Um, It's kind of like living in Texas. You know, we don't have real winters here. We have these cold fronts that come through and then it gets cold for a minute, but then we go back to our regularly scheduled weather. When you live with someone and you only have moments of good, but if you looked at the trajectory, stumbling the trajectory of your relationship and you see more times where there are these long periods of destructive behavior that is not love and I was so caught up in the fairy tale version the Jerry Maguire where this person mistreats you does these awful things to you but then one day they wake up and realize that you're the love of their life And all is well and good. And that is not what real love is. God says that he disciplines those that he loves. And his discipline is about growing us, shaping us, molding us into the image of Christ. It is not about punishment. It is not destructive to us. It is beneficial to us. And so love also has boundaries love um love disciplines it doesn't just give someone everything that they want if you give a child candy all of the time that may feel good to them but eventually you're destroying their health their teeth their their mental well-being and so love is not just giving someone all that they want that is people pleasing and it's not healthy And so love doesn't mean that you lay aside everything that you want so that you can hopefully get something from another person. I felt like it was just good to say that because I remember listening to these kinds of podcasts and I'd be like, okay, maybe I need to try harder. Maybe I need to give a little bit more. Maybe I'm not being loving. And if someone had said, that that's not really love. Let's talk about what love is and help me understand a better definition of love. I think my eyes may have been open sooner. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Now back to talking about what love is. Love is a risk. God was willing to risk everything, his most valuable possession on us because he desired relationship with us. And the same is true in our relationships with people, that love is a risk. You may have heard this other C.S. Lewis quote that says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one. Not even an animal. 
Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin or of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. And that's true. You cannot love without risk. And so, like I said, if we've been hurt, our first thing is to want to close our heart off. But we have to let God heal it. And I don't want to make that sound super spiritual. A lot of the healing is working with someone to grieve the loss to really work through the pain um going down this journey of anger uh, i don't think that you can really heal a broken heart well if you don't go through the whole grief cycle and part of that grief cycle is anger but the thing that we cannot do is lock our heart up and think that it will be safe as C.S. Lewis said, if we lock our heart up, um, it won't be broken. It'll just be hardened. And I don't think that any of us wants to walk around with a hardened heart. So I want to give you some questions to ponder. Um, these are some questions that I will often ask clients. And the first question is this. If you were to live your life knowing and being assured that you were loved, like if there was no question, what would your life look like? I want you to think how your life would be different right now if you didn't have a question about being loved. Now that prompt or that question is not something you should answer quickly because it requires some thought and examination to look at the ways that maybe you are living as if you're not loved. For me, I can tell you that that shows up in um, my self-protection. It shows up in self-doubt it shows up in fear, uh, anxiety, and worry. It shows up in my people-pleasing and perfectionism. But just spend some time journaling and thinking about that. The next question is, based on all the definitions that I gave about love and the things about I've read about love, where has your view of love been distorted? Not only in the love that you received, but the love that you've given. And the third question would be, after you've done the first two, in what ways would you like for God to expand your capacity for love? What are the areas of your life that you see could be infused with love. Um, and it could be something as simple as being more creative or being more thoughtful. Um, 
asking where where is sacrifice because there cannot be true real love without sacrifice that's the first thing that God models for us is giving extravagantly and so where can God expand your capacity for love these are not questions that you have to share with anyone you can if you want to um, but they're just for your own private reflection. And as we go through the month, we're going to be talking about different types of love. Um, you know, romantic love, platonic love in the sense of a friendship or brotherly love, and even love for self, because I think we cannot miss that point that just like our measure of love is tied to how well we know God. Our measure of love is also tied to how well we love ourselves. We cannot give other people something that we don't have. And so when someone is unloving to you, it is a reminder that they also do not love themselves. I want to read this devotion from Ian LaVanzant that was shared with me uh, from a friend. And it says, today I need to be still and let God love me. God's love is my strength. God's love is my protection. God's love is my light in the midst of any darkness. God's love is the fulfillment of every hunger, every thirst. God's love is my source and my supply. God's love, ever present, is the only thing I need, want, or seek today. For in the presence of God's love, all is well in my life and in my soul. Today, I need to be still and let God love me. As I speak these words, as I think these words, they take on the presence of the Holy Spirit to become the circumstances of this day in my life. Let it be so, and so it is. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for your love towards us. Lord, we know that Love is not just something that you give, but it is the essence of who you are. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that is listening to this podcast today that has been hurt or wounded by something that was other than love. I pray that you would heal all the broken places, that you would soften those places that have been hardened or closed off. Lord, that you would remove any roots of bitterness or um, anger or unforgiveness that would taint the perfect love that you give to us. God, your word says that your love casts out fear. And I pray that for every person listening, that you would free them from the fear in their hearts. Lord, I pray for each of us to be challenged to expand our capacity for love, to be so close to you that as you pour out your love on us, that we become containers that not only 
that not only receive the love that we need, but that allows that love to overflow to those of us around us. Lord, help us to remember your definition of love, to go back to your word when we get off course, to continually challenge ourselves to live according to the standard that you have set and not the standard that the world has set for us. And God, I pray that we would seek your love, true love, that is long lasting, that is enduring, that is unconditional over any cheap imitation that the world might try to give us. And I just ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, that is a wrap for this episode on Love Is. I hope that it blessed you, that you got something from it, that it challenged you, that the questions that I gave, that you take some time to journal and let God speak to your heart. If you need help healing, um, moving forward, even just having someone offer a different perspective on how do I know if I have things in my heart? How do I um, really kind of have that awareness about where I am in my capacity to love? I would um, be happy to be your guide as you go on that journey of exploration please feel free to reach out to me. You can go to my website, which is fullyalivecoachingllc.com. Um, you can click the Get Started button and schedule a free 30-minute consultation. You can go to um, Instagram and find me at Fully Alive Coaching. Uh, I am now on TikTok at Coach Andrea FAC, which is Fully Alive Coaching. Um, I am also available through email at Coach Andrea F as in Frank, A as in Apple, C as in Cat, at gmail.com. You can text or call 832-422-5480. Um, and I would love to, like I said, come alongside you in your journey. I pray that as we go through this month, you find opportunities to love on other people. So many people are hurting right now and need a reminder that they're not alone, that they are loved and um, that they can make it through. And you never know how one small gesture could change someone's day, could change someone's life. So if God puts someone on your heart, reach out, call, text, send them an email, um, send them a message on Facebook or Instagram, however you have to do it, just be conscious that God is moving on the hearts of his people to be a light in the midst of all of this darkness. Uh, I just pray that we continue to hold on to hope, as I said last month, that we continue to allow God to move and change our hearts so that his love is tangible through us. 
and that we always stay connected to the vine so that we are never without love ourselves. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Please remember if this blessed you to like and share and rate the podcast. Um, And until next time, this is Coach Andrea signing off saying be sure to dream big, love well, and live fully.